Welcome to Life is Love School. Hi everyone, welcome back to Life is Love School. So today I will talk about the second half of the 30 signs that you suffer a childhood trauma. So last week we stopped at a person that says sorry all the time because they're being blamed for things that they should not be responsible for. So then, so this week we'll start at number 16, which is people pleasing behavior and being over worried about what other people think. So the people pleasing behavior is very common and it actually sets up childhood trauma survivors to be the codependent. So this person is taking responsibility for how other people feel. They feel that it's their job to make sure that everybody's happy. Some of us turn into rescuers where you feel like it is our job to fix other people, um, to take care of other people, etc. And then we have a tendency to deprioritize ourselves and then always try to prioritize other people. But obviously we cannot make other people feel better, right? So we could do our best, et cetera, but we have zero control over that. So people pleasing is also a very common um, symptom of childhood trauma. And number 17 is passive aggressiveness or repressed anger. So when you grow up with trauma, there's a lot of injustice. So there's a lot of anger, but some of us, not everybody, but some of us would repress it. Some of us are more outwardly expressing that anger, but especially for women, a lot of times society tells us that it's not okay to be angry. So that then that anger turns somewhere, it turns into passive aggressiveness, meaning that you're not directly expressing it, but you do so in a passive way. For example, if you don't want to do something, you would just drag your feet. You might say yes, but you'll drag your feet or you'll pout instead of being direct about what you your wants and needs are and then get angry if the partner guesses wrong. These are all passive aggressive behaviors. And that's also common of trauma survivors. And part of that is the feeling of unworthiness. If we don't feel like we deserve to have our needs met, then it's still, it's still there. That need is still there, but then it comes out in this tangential backhanded way of asking for it and hoping that people just magically figure it out and give it to us. It's also a immature way of trying to get what we want and a little bit of a manipulation as well. Number 17 is identity confusion. So if we're so busy about trying to meet everybody else's needs, trying to make everybody else happy, trying to meet our parents' expectations, we actually never invested in exploring what we enjoy, who we are, what we want to do. We might have picked a career because it makes our parents happy, married a person because we think that, you know, this this and that person is acceptable to society, picked a job because it's has a prestige, etc. not really caring about what actually is true about us. So we're not living an authentic life. And so many of us will then have a identity crisis, like who am I? If you've asked a person that suffered childhood trauma, a lot of times they're everything to everyone, but they don't know who they actually are or what they even like. So that's the identity confusion part. Number 19 is uh, jealousy. So jealousy is common if um, one feels not good enough and there's a lot of insecurity over a relationship. And also there's a lot of the, the sense of competition. Like I, I don't know who I am and therefore I can only evaluate my value relative to other people. 
So jealousy is also a common thing. So that's number 19. Number 20 is the inability to form secure attachment in, in adulthood. So in traumatic dysfunctional families, one of the common things is that we don't have the opportunity to form a loving, warm relationship with our caregivers. So our caregivers might have shown us um, indifference when we were trying to seek comfort or some of them even neglected or abused us. And so what we learned is that then people cannot be trusted. We have difficulty um, forming secure attachment oftentimes later in adulthood because we took that experience and then we learned to not be able to fully attach to people. So some of us would cling because we're, um, we are afraid of being abandoned and some of us do the opposite, which is we push the other people away and we become avoidance, but both are insecure types of attachment and these are the kind of people that are prone to play games or try to manipulate a person in the relation they're in a relationship with to try to get what they want but these are unskillful ways unfortunately and then number 21 is some of us will have difficulty committing because when we're growing up one of the things we're very afraid of is to be locked in right we might have always felt that we were cornered we didn't have enough options so many of us always want to have many many doors open in case this doesn't work out, we want to have another escape route. So committing to anything then feels very scary. We feel like, well, we're cutting off all options. If I marry this person, you know, what if it doesn't work out? Maybe I shouldn't marry this person. Even though I've married this person, maybe I should not live in his house in case it doesn't work out. I still have my own place. So commitment is a big issue. So we both want to be loved at the same time, we have trouble letting go of options. So that's another thing. Number 22 is believing that people will betray you. So what is the biggest betrayal? I think for many of us, it's growing up with parents that really ought to love us and take care of us, but they end up being the ones that abuse us. It's very hard to find a betrayal bigger than that. So it's not a big surprise that Many of us have this point of view that, you know, people will betray us or some people will betray us. Again, that adds to the feeling of this world being unsafe. Number 23, because we think that people likely betray us, some of us will then have testing behavior. So um, a person might repeatedly test her boyfriend to make sure that he really does love her like throw him in test situations just to see if he's loyal, see how much he loves her, etc. It can be to get tiring for the other person after a while. So you might, what you might see is um, trauma survivors are kind of an open book, but only up to a certain point. It's pretty easy to say, for example, get close to them to say, you know, 50%, but to get to the other 50% is next to impossible because they don't want you to know everything about them. They're too afraid to let you know everything about them. They're afraid that you cannot be trusted, that you might hurt them, etc. Number 24 is a fear of abandonment. So if you grew up with parents that neglected you or some even physically left and never came back, then we might have a sense that someday some the people that we care about will also abandon us. So this ties into the jealousy factor. So jealousy, in relationship a lot of times ties into the fear of abandonment they're so afraid of being left so they have guarding behaviors try to control etc so fear of abandonment 
Number 25 is revictimization in adult relationships. So there is a common phenomenon where abuse victims would then seek out partners in life that reminds them of one of their abusive parents. So this is a baffling phenomenon um, for, for, for many. And this, is, this topic has been studied extensively and it's a well-known phenomenon. Because if you grew up in an environment where all you saw were bad examples, it's very hard to think outside of the box. So you might say, well, I don't wanna marry somebody like my father and end up marrying somebody like your mother. And both are bad because they were just kind of a key and a lock situation. They were just different, but not better. Instead, I think that the way to heal this is actually to think outside of the box and not model after either of the parents to try to heal yourself so you can actually understand what a healthy relationship looks like. Also, if you were abused as a child, then it sets you up to have bad boundaries, lack of boundaries, which also makes you susceptible to being controlled again. Or some of us might then pick up the aggressive side or the abusive side and turn into an abuser ourselves because the message is, well, you know, I don't want to be abused again. It's better that I hurt other people than be hurt. So then these people turn into controllers. Some people are physically violent, etc. But the good news is 75% of people that were abused by their parents do not turn into abusive parents. So that is really good news. So that is number 25. So number 26 is this person would start and drop things easily. So this is kind of tied into the lack of ability to delay gratification because a lot of times it's easy to start things, right? Like, oh yeah, you know, maybe I should study this topic. Maybe I should pick up piano, etc. But when the going gets hard, it requires the ability to persevere, to tough it through, etc. When we grow up with a trauma, what gets damaged, as I mentioned in the previous episode, is our prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex, you can think of it as the executive brain, the adult brain, which says, let's eat the vegetables first and then we'll eat the cake later. All right, to do the hard work and to plan for the long term, that requires executive function. And also, delaying gratification means that we also have to believe that later gratification will come and if we have parents that are unpredictable, then you better eat the cookie when they offer it to you now versus later when you finish the homework. So delayed gratification is a challenge for many of us. So you'll see that some of us would start projects and then just drop it. And tied to that, number 27 is the uh, commonality of, of many, which is self-sabotage because we're so afraid that things will go bad anyways, that in order to relieve that eventuality, we wanna take control by destroying it ourselves. So it might be the business is going really well, I can't believe it's going so well, it's not gonna go well soon, let me just destroy it myself. Or I'm taking a class, well, you know, I never do well in a class, I seem to be doing really well now, so let me just not study and flunk the test, at least I can say that it wasn't because I'm stupid, but because I didn't study. So that's really unfortunate, but many of us, in order to feel some level of predictability, we actually proactively self-destruct. So that's where a lot of the self-sabotage comes from. And that's the same reason why many of us would procrastinate as well. It's a combination of lack of executive function to think longer term, as well as this unfortunate desire to self-sabotage. So number 28, 
indecision due to the fear of making a mistake. If we grow up in an environment where we are harshly penalized for making a decision that the parents don't like, or we're putting a double bind situation where no decision is a good decision, like zero, there's no good options, then we could become somebody who's very indecisive, afraid of making mistakes. By double bind, I mean that some abusive parents, and this is an especially um, harming technique, would put you in a situation where you can never win. For, for example, a mother might say, you never say you love me, and you respond by saying, mommy, I love you, then mom might say, well, you only said it because I told you to. So you can see how the child can never win in this situation. The mom is sending very confusing message to the child. And this type of manipulation is very common in abusive families. It's called double bind um, emotional abuse. And if you grew up in this type of environment, your brain is basically working overtime to try to find a solution when one doesn't exist. So then you could grow up being quite indecisive because there is no good solution. Number 29, the checking behavior. So many of us um, develop OCD. This could be an anxiety disorder. Um, we might develop rituals, etc. but checking behavior is also tied to the fear of making a mistake. So for example, you might finish your tax statements, but you're so afraid that you made a mistake, you'll spend an, an inordinate amount of time going through the math again and again, going through the receipts again and again, and wasting a lot of time because you're so afraid of making an error. So you will check and double check and triple check. Number 30, um, you might have a lot of unex unexplained um, aches and pains throughout your body and chronic fatigue, and the doctor would tell you that they have no idea what's going on. So now research is showing the reason for this is that the brain regions of physical and emotional pain are very close to each other. And that's why when we suffered a uh, breakup, people oftentimes say, oh, my heart broke. I'm in so much pain. Um, I, I'm suffering so much, it's so painful. It's true because emotional pain and physical pain are in similar brain regions. And what happens is if we suffer an abuse, these regions are hyperactive. So a hyperactive brain will take a small discomfort signal from say, for example, the lower back, and it will say, my gosh, your back is in real pain, it's really bad. And then of course the muscle then tenses up because it's afraid that some real damage is being done. And of course that makes the pain signal stronger, goes to the brain, the brain gets even more anxious. So you can see how this is a negative feedback loop that just self-reinforces. So many childhood trauma victims, now survivors, suffer chronic pain in the back, in the neck, etc. These are very, very common symptoms. So I hope you find this list helpful. Um, and the last one, the bonus one I'll throw in, which is number 31, is probably the most um, devastating from what I've observed in, in people that suffer trauma is many of us unfortunately picked up the victim mentality. It's a learned self helplessness. Um, they've done studies of this where they would, um, and the researchers would put a dog in a cage that has uh, electricity running and they would zap the dogs once in a while. But the good news is that the dog can leap outside of the cage and escape the electric shock. 
but then they put another group of dogs in a similar environment but unfortunately this group of dogs do not have the option to leap out and save themselves and what the experimenter observed is that even though later they opened the cage and allowed this group of dogs that was previously helpless the opportunity to escape this group of dog learned to be helpless and they just keep whimpering and laying low and getting electric shocked in the cage. They basically refuse to move. So they've learned to be helpless. They've learned that they can't help themselves, that they're victims and they have to wait for somebody to take care of them, which in this case is the lab technician eventually came and, and helped them. They physically moved a dog outside a cage and do that a couple times and finally the dogs learn how to do it. I think the good news is that we're human beings and one of the biggest realization in the, uh, the group and I, when I see people recover, it is people that realize I'm a grown up now. I'm no longer that child. I am not helpless. When I was a child, I was indeed helpless. I was small. I can't make money. I can't just bust out. I can't get a job. I can't get a rental place and, and move out. None of those options were available to us. But as adults, we have all of these resources, powers, we have a say. If somebody is hurting us, we could send them to jail and get a protection order and all of these things that we could do. We can do things to protect our children, etc. And the important thing is to realize that we have this power and to take it back. So people that don't do this and they have the victim mentality is always waiting for some miracle to happen or waiting for somebody to save them and hope is not a strategy. So victim mentality is probably the worst um, trauma um, symptom to pick up. That's an unfortunate legacy, but it's also very fixable. As soon as we're aware, we can let it go. So that's a choice. So I hope you find all this information um, useful. Of course, if I miss anything in the list or if you have any other opinions, I love to hear what you think the community input is what keeps us um, the discussions really good and of course if you're interested in trauma and healing and how to live a better life as a grown-up I would love to invite you to the women only coaching group I'll put the information below until next time take care